Okay. Okay, good evening. The parasha this week is uh, Akev. This is Chaim Bravinder. We're going to learn a little something about the book of Dvarim, about Moshe Rabbeinu, and about a few psukim. And Moshe Rabbeinu is sort of leaving. The book of Dvarim is about Moshe Rabbeinu leaving Am Yisrael and the state in which he wants to leave them. We know that the books of Shemot and Vayikra and Bamidbar introduced us to the notion of the notion of mitzvot. There are mitzvot. And here in the book of Dvarim, Moshe Rabbeinu tries to uh, go beyond that, beyond mitzvot, and teach us something else about life, which he thinks is very important. Uh, to, pre to preface Moshe Rabbeinu's attempts to widen our horizons about what the religious personality is about, in order to teach us that, we have to understand something about bracha, about blessings. Uh, the first thing that we have to understand is that in the Ten Commandments, there, there is a commandment that refers to mentioning the name of God in an idle or unnecessary manner. Lo shem Hashem you should not mention God's name without a particular purpose, which we understand as being without being directed by Chazal to make the bracha at that particular time. And so we accept lahalacha. We accept lahalacha that we don't uh, take this lightly. We don't say God's name even in a bracha unless it's the appropriate time. Even if the bracha itself could at least theoretically be said at any time. Like, like if you walk by a, an apple orchard, so you say, well, what's wrong with that? So you say, no, it was ordained by Chazal that that bracha is a bracha that we say only when we're about to eat. Only when we're about to eat. When we're not about to eat, we don't say it. We don't say that bracha. Okay? Uh, oh, oh, where do we get this idea? Well, where did Chazal get the idea that you could say a bracha at all? I mean, all the brachot were created by Chazal. Well, how did they know that they should do that, that they should be brachot. So it would seem that it comes from a pasuk in our parasha, right? Look at, you see the text, God is bringing you El Eretz Tova, to a good place. El Eretz Tova. Let me just get to the point where I can underline. There we go. God is bringing you to a good place. I mean, all of these words demand interpretation, but intuitively we assume that we understand them. 
Eretz Nachalei Mayim, a lot of water, which doesn't only mean that you have water, but it means that you have to daven for water. I mean, that's the the idea. There's water in the valleys and water on the, on the mountains. Eretz Chitao Solrava, Gefutainaverimon. This is, these are the, this is the, the, the title for Eretz Kedan, the land that they're being given. Right? The Bechitan, Solran, Gefutainam, I'm sure you know the words. Eretz Zeit Shemen Udebash. Eretz Ashalobe Miskenu Tochalbalechem. You're going to be well off in Eretz Kenan, you won't miss a thing. Eretz Asher Barzel, you'll be able to get iron from the stones and copper from the. I mean, I mean, these are words that that describe a plenteous situation. Finally, finally, that that description is finalized in Pasuk Yud, the 10th Pasuk in the 8th chapter, Vachalta, Vesavata, Veirachta, et Hashem Elokecha l'aretzatova, Shedatan Now, it's at first blush, difficult to understand what this could possibly mean. Vachalta, Vesavata, that I understand, you're going to eat and you feel good, then Ubeirachta. What do you mean Ubeirachta? What could that possibly mean? Why would God need our blessing? Or why would it be important for us to to do that? But if you think about it from the legal point of view, what this pasuk says is there is such a thing as a bracha. And you do that, midoraita, from the Torah itself after you eat. And we call that bracha birkat hamazon. We call that birkat hamazon. It's a mitzvah min ha-Torah to bless God. What are we blessing God about? What does it mean to bless God? I mean, okay, those are difficult questions. And they are dealt with in a variety of places, but that's not our concern at the moment. But the word of beirachta at Hashem you bless God, obviously opened the door to blessings. There are blessings that you make. Last night I was at a chuppah, and of course you know that there are sheva brachot that are made when you, at the chuppah. Now most of those brachot are kind of very general in nature. Brachat Hashem, Yotzer HaAdam. Who created man? Well, having created man, we could say that bracha theoretically. You can, I mean, halachically, we can't, but you could say it. You could say that a brit milah, the pidyon haben. I mean, what's your tzair adam? It's a worthy thing to remember. Shakol bar alech vodo. Everything gives God honor. It's all, all, all things that make sense. But they don't have anything in particular to do with the chuppah, other than the fact that Chazal said that's when you should say it. So on the one hand, we've expanded the notion of a bracha, not only berkat amazon, which is referred to here in this pasuk, but all the brachot that we make during the day, and yet we've maintained the idea that you can't run away with it. 
You can't just say brachot any time at all, but all the brachot that we say are said at a particular time. I said at a particular time. That means only after vachalta visavata. And the same thing is true about other brachot. Even though the brachot may be very general in their nature, may be very general in their nature, nevertheless, nevertheless, we say the bracha at the appointed time only. We don't say the bracha as we said before. If you're walking by an apple orchard, it would seem reasonable that you would say Boripura 8, but you don't. The bracha, that's one of the brachot that have to do with Hana'ah, with the pleasure that you get from eating. And they're not brachot that you just say indiscriminately whenever you want. Okay, that's like a kind of background thing that Moshe Rabbeinu is reminding B'nai Yisrael of. But beyond that, there's another pasuk in this parasha, which turns out to be a pasuk of great significance. Not that the other pasukim are not, but right now, the way we are thinking about things, it's a pasuk about, of great significance. The pasuk begins with Ta Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu is talking. Moshe Rabbeinu has something to say. Moshe wants to make sure that everybody's listening. Atai Yisrael, ma Hashem Elokecha Shoel Meimach. Imagine Moshe Rabbeinu saying that. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I've taught you mitzvot, and I've taught you halachot, and I've taught you... And there's still, ma Hashem Elokecha Shoel Meimach. I can still ask that question. According to, according to the Pasuk, Kiim says there are things that go beyond mitzvot, and things go beyond obligations, the regular kind of obligations. What are they? Liyirat Hashem Elokecha. You have to fear. You have to fear God when? I don't know. I guess all the time. La lechet to follow His ways. La oto. Right, to love God. Lavod et Hashem Elokecha and to serve God. You could do mitzvot in a perfunctory manner. Right? Without you know investing a lot of spiritual energy. Or you could do it That's what the Pasuk says. Let's just say it again. Ma Hashem Elokecha Shoel Meimach. Ma, Ma Rashi says, Rashi says, Vatai Yisrael. He turns to Bnei Yisrael. He says, Avot Pisha, see them calls out. Even though you did all these bad things that I've mentioned up to now, up to the tenth chapter here of of Tvarim, Odenu Rachamav Chibato Aleichem. God still loves you. And has mercy upon you. And all these transgressions, Moshe Rabbeinu said. It's worth repeating them. It's worth mentioning them. Because you see from mentioning all the things that you did, all of the, uh, uh, the difficulties that you had, 
just by mentioning all, all of those things, you see immediately how God has been merciful, how God has accepted you, how God has enabled you with all of that baggage to come here to Eretz Kanaan, to the border of Eretz Kanaan. It's Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu talking. That's Moshe Rabbeinu talking. Okay, so what is the Pasuk talking about? What is the Pasuk talking about? So the Gemara, there's a Gemara in uh, Menachot, which is not on the sheet, unfortunately, my mistake. The Gemara in Menachot, that Mem Bet says the following. According to Rabbi Meir, right, according to my, Rabbi Meir, Hayav Adam Levarech Abrachot. Every person has to daven, has to say a hundred brachot every day. Hundred brachot every day. So about this statement, the Rabbi Meir, we could ask two questions. One question is, where did he get that number from? And secondly, what's he talking about? I mean, chayav levarech. You're obligated to to say the blessings that you're obligated to say. Isn't that what Chazal said? But interestingly enough, interestingly enough, this uh, you just could turn the page, right? Interestingly enough, Just one second. Interesting. Uh, so it would seem that that uh, Rabbi Meir's uh, interpretation had to do with this word ma. With this word ma. And and you know in Hebrew, in Hebrew, certain letters, you know, get swallowed up in pronunciation. So that the the word ma. Mem hey could also be mem aleph hey. Because the aleph doesn't have much of a job, but it changes the word. Ma, mem hey, means what? What is it you're supposed to do? But mem aleph hey is a, a hint at a hundred, according to Rabbi Meir. So according to Rabbi Meir, what is what is it that what is it that Moshe Rabbeinu is talking about? What does God want from you? According to Rabbi Meir, a hundred brachot, hundred brachot. And what's missing again is this line, you know that this is halacha, <coughs> this is halacha the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch says, Chayav Adam levarech mea brachot bekol yom. Everybody is obliged, but it became an obligation. It's not even written any place. But it became an obligation. And the second thing I don't understand is why a hundred? What's a hundred? 
So it seems to me that, that you have to remember that Tchiatrofar, Tchiatrofar 100. We blow a hundred tkiot. Now, anybody who learns uh, the material knows I think we've got it here. We have got it just one second. Here we are. Shulchanar Chaim, Hilchot Brachot Ashachashar Brachot Siman, Mem Vav Siv Gimel. Hayav Adam Levarech, Betol Yom Meabrachot Levachot. Levachot. That's not Rabbi Meir. Of that word at least a hundred. More than a hundred is better, but at least a hundred brachot So now listen again. Rabbi Meir said, this pasuk, this pasuk that has in it a reference to to Laleche, to go with God, to be with God, to to kind of have have your your time spent with God, says so is a reference to a hundred brachot. And what is a hundred brachot? We have another reference to a hundred, and that's with Kiatrofar. Everybody knows who learns learns the sugya of, of Kiatrofar that that you say the mitzvah of Kiatrofar with the shofar that we hear before Shmona Esrei Musaf. That's enough. Where did a hundred blasts come from? So Tosu said, there's a minute. The people wanted, wanted more. Why did they want more? Because everybody understood, everybody. Everybody who was involved, everybody went to shul, everybody who listened to Kiat Shofar year after year, they all knew that Kiat Shofar was something special something that represented the conversation that you could have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You could have, but the words, our words would be insufficient. They would be, they would be uh, uh, unavailable for such an outstanding enterprise. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the chauffeur and said, chauffeur is going to have that conversation. That filah, where I can't get the words right, it's all going to come out of the shofar. And because of that, and because of the contradiction that existed between the halacha and the desire, the halacha said, you did it already. You did the mitzvah. Listen, I mentioned before that, you know, when I was a kid, I remember that kiyat shofar used to take a long time because it was inconceivable that whoever had the job of blowing the chauffeur is not going to mess it up. He's always going to have to do it over again. He's not, he's not going to do it exactly the way the Bao Makri, the person who reads out the directions, wants him to do it. But today, today, I mean, thankfully, everybody who blows the chauffeur seems to be a, a perfect chauffeur blower. Who makes a mistake? Where is the mistake? It takes a minute. 
Okay, three minutes. To blow the amount of kiyot for which you are really yotze min ha-torah. So what are we doing the rest of the time? What is that hundred kiyot all about? He says, you know, when you have a good thing, you don't want to let go. You don't want to let go of that thing that you have to get so far. A hundred's a big number. And so today we're very careful, a hundred, not a hundred and one or a hundred and two, but I think you could understand the idea of a hundred kiyot as being all day long. And today, if you live in a, in, in Eretz Israel, or if you live in Yerushalayim, or if you're in the places that I know a little bit about, there are people who are blowing shofar all day long for a variety of reasons. Sometimes there are sick people, sometimes there are old people, sometimes there are people who can't get to shul, and they, you know, everybody deserves tkiat shofar. But as a result, uh, people could sit in their homes and hear Tkiyat Shofar all day long sometimes. And that's really what we want with the hundred Tkiyots. And so Rabbi Meir said, the number Me'ah is, there's a remez. It's hinted at in this Pasuk. What does God want from you? Ma. And we'll change it into a declarative statement. Me'ah. It is a hundred brachot that God wants from you. And why does God want those hundred brachot? Because a hundred is a big number. And a hundred indicates an ongoing conversation. An ongoing conversation. And so the Moshe Rabbeinu is telling us, look, he's saying to everybody, there is this tension. There's a tension between mitzvot and brachot. Says, what's a mitzvah? A mitzvah, you know, has limits. It only can be performed at a particular time, in a particular way. If you miss out on the time or you miss out on the way, I mean, you can't do it. You can't make up for it. The nature of a mitzvah is it's very much part of the world in which we live. It may not be something that everybody does. But you do it in the way that people do things. You take the lulav and you shake it. Shaking it is not something that you learn when you have to take the lulav. The matzah, you take the matzah and you eat it. You have to learn how to eat. It's all part of what we do, but there's another world, Moshe Rabbeinu said. There's another world that is a possible world. It's there for the taking. You only have to do is want it. And you can turn the world into a world of bracha. And when you're having that conversation with a Kodesh Baruch that begins, Baruch Atah Hashem, You Hashem, Baruch, and that's who I'm having a conversation with. This idea is so powerful. This idea is so powerful for the religious personality that we see that the Ramah, that the Ramah, Rav Moshe Isilish, in his first Agaha, his first editorial comment in the Shulchan Aruch, is a quote 
from the Mishnah, from, from the Morin of Uchim, from the Rambam's Guide to the Perplexed. It's a quote. It came right in spite of the fact that there were people in the different generations who were against the Rambam, against certainly his philosophy. Along came the Ramah. It's important to remember. And in the first paragraph of the Shulchan Aruch, he says the following. You see where it says, I underlined it. Shiviti Hashem I have placed God before me always. Who Torah? This is an important principle in the Torah. Sadikim, and in the in those exalted levels of the righteous. There's an assumption that there are people who walk with God. They walk with God. Sadikim, the righteous. And he says, He says, after all, everybody would agree that the way you sit, you place yourself, the way you act, and your business dealings, he says, you know, that people sit home and they're able to transact business. They're able to eat uh, breakfast and lunch, you know, like people who are oppressed by COVID and they're home. He says, but they, the way they do it is not the same way they would do it. But if he's you know, if he has to go and see the president or go to see the prime minister, he probably would get dressed up, probably put on a tie if he's a male. And probably, since it's the Rambam said, the Rambam says, we know this. You know it from our experience. That's the point that the Rambam says, that we have different ways of relating to reality. And so what's the lesson in it? What's the point of saying that when I go to meet with a king, I'm going to get dressed up, and when I meet with my chavrusa, I don't get so dressed up. Like with the way he sits and the way he moves around and the way he does, he deals in business. And he won't even speak or open up his mouth, so no, the who im anshei beito ukrovav, right, like Zeresh, you know, Haman's wife, he was in the house with his close relatives, his close people were close to him, kidiburo b'moshav ha-melech, he says, there's a difference between the way you speak to your family, and the way you speak to the king, and therefore, the Rambam said, the Rambam says, this means something. We have to take it, it's a lesson to be learned. That even though we're doing the same action, speaking, standing, sitting, we do it differently. I'm sorry, I will underline just the same. Kolshikain. Kolshikain. When a person decides that he, in his heart, I mean, he decides 
שהמלך הגדול, הקדוש ברוך הוא, that the great God, the great king, God, קדוש ברוך הוא, אשר מלא כל הארץ כבודו, who fills the entire world with his כבוד, with his honor, עומד עליו, he stands before him, and he knows what he's doing, what you're doing. God sees everything and knows what's going on. So, he'll have fear of God. And and give in to to that fear and all of that comes to the Moranavuchir, the third section, third section, chapter fifty-two. So you see, according to the Rambam, according to the Rambam, who was a reasonable person, it would seem, and not given not given to fantasies of one kind or another. The Rambam says that you have to use reality, the reality that we know as an example you know, for the reality that we would like to create. So we know that we have mitzvot. We know whether we have mitzvot, but those mitzvot, as I pointed out, are limited in time and in place. Are limited in time and place. I mean, we we have those mitzvot, but we can't do them all the time. We can't be affected by that. I mean, they are bound by by all sorts of regulations, by rules and regulations that makes them impossible to to affect at the wrong time. At the wrong time, and yet, yet we understand. The mashal, the, the parable that the Rambam quotes, that the Ramah quoted in the name of the Rambam, that parable has to do with what I know. I know that everything is different when I go to meet the king. Everything is different. The way I sit, the way I stand, the way I dress, the way I talk, everything is different. When I talk to my family members, I don't feel that I have to get dressed up. I don't feel that I have to talk the Queen's English, if I knew that English. I don't feel that way with my family. So the Rambam says, certainly, if you're willing to give that kind of concern to the king, you should certainly give that concern to your place before Melech Malchem Lachim, the king of kings, of the the place of God. So Rabbi Meir said, Rabbi Meir said that really what you should do is say brachot, speak of God all day long. Besides the mitzvot that you have to do, you have to also be with God all the time. When is all the time, according to Rabbi Meir? Well, a hundred brachot a day. That's all the time. And that's what the Shulchan Aruch taught us. A hundred brachot, all day long. All day long, every day. Every day, a hundred brachot. Because, because in 
and regarding devotion, there is the limit and the limitless. The limited devotion is the devotion that we do by doing mitzvot in the right way, the right time, the right way, the right uh, halakhic notion. But there's also this other attempt that we have to place ourselves before HaKadosh Baruch to be with HaKadosh Baruch to say brachot for HaKadosh Baruch All of that is what Rabbi Meir tried to teach us and tried to say to us. So in the final analysis, Moshe Rabbeinu is leaving B'nai Yisrael with a, with a difficult challenge. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, look, you know, I've taught you the mitzvot, taught you about Shabbat, I've taught you about idolatry, I've taught you about Hosnido, the three big topics that the Gemara mentions. I've taught you all of that. But what I want to tell you now is that that's necessary, but may not be sufficient. What is sufficient is creating a relationship with the idea that God is watching over us. That's Moshe Rabbeinu's present to us. That what happened at Har Sinai, what happened at Har Sinai to all of B'nai Yisrael, well, it can happen again. It can happen all the time, over and over again. It can happen over and over again. So this is part of the message that Moshe Rabbeinu is giving to B'nai Yisrael. As we saw in Rashi, part of the message is that God forgives and God enables us to go on. And that's something that we have to reflect upon when we think about the past. But the future, the future, Moshe Rabbeinu says, has to be the future with our Sinai, with that special relationship of HaKadosh Baruch to B'nai Yisrael. And we get that relationship in the Me'ab Rechot, so that even though, even though on the one hand, we can't take it lightly, on the other hand, we have to increase the number of Rechot that we manage to make during the day. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you.